Well, welcome everybody. Great to have you join with me today. I trust you've had a really, really good week. But hey, if you haven't, it's my prayer that this message will fill you with strength and with hope because we serve the God of all hope. So let me pray. Father, we thank you for your presence here with us today. And I do pray for every person watching today that, Lord, you would do a work in their hearts, that you would strengthen them, encourage them, pour hope into their hearts. And, Lord, more than anything else, would you speak to us by your Holy Spirit what you want us to hear today. Lord, you said in your word, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let us hear the voice of God today, Lord, that we might live and, and walk in your favor and your blessing and walk pleasing to you. We ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, Moody was preaching one day and he held up this glass like this and he said, how can I get all the air out of the glass? And someone yelled out, he said, um, you know, suck it out with a vacuum. And Moody said, no, but that would just shatter the glass. After a few more suggestions, uh, Moody smiled and he picked up this jar of water and then he just filled up this glass like this right to the brim. So, okay, just overflowing a little bit here on our platform. But then he said, now look, all the air has been removed from the glass. And he, the point he was making this was to say this, that victory in the Christian life will never be accomplished by trying to suck out a sin here or a sin there. The key is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, you might as well try and see without eyes, hear without ears, breathe without lungs, as try and live the Christian life without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's such an important truth for us to understand and realize at this time. I said last week, coming out of coronavirus, shutdown and lockdown, I felt God saying to me to shift away from dependence on human effort and increasingly trust and depend on the Holy Spirit. And with that, there'll be far greater results. And you know, it's a great thing. When you depend on your human effort, you've got to work hard. It's tiring. It's draining. You end up exhausted. When you depend on the Holy Spirit, it's like there's liberty, there's freedom where the Spirit of the Lord is. And you can actually work hard and end up energized when you do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. So we read in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Now think about this. Jesus was saying to the early disciples, He said, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. Don't even try. Just wait. Wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we know they waited. The Holy Spirit came. They were empowered by the Spirit. And what happened? They went out and transformed the known world. This is the blueprint for the church. This is the blueprint for Christianity. The power of the Holy Spirit to work transformation in our own lives, but also transformation in the community around us. Brings us back to Zechariah verse, chapter 4, verse 6, my favorite verse, or one of mine. Not by might, not by power, it's not by trying, but by my spirit, says the Lord. If we can get this established in our lives, honestly, it will transform our entire walk with God, our impact, and our influence. Bill Johnson made this statement Our awareness of lack is usually what God uses to summon us into a deeper experience with Him. A holy dissatisfaction possesses our souls. 
seriously, this has been my experience. You can ask my wife. Over the last few years, this holy dissatisfaction, this awareness of great lack that we're not getting the job done, but it's led me to a deeper experience with God. It's led me to a greater dependence on the Holy Spirit. And actually, I'm preaching some of these messages out of my sense of lack, my sense of dissatisfaction. So holy dissatisfaction leads you into more of God. It's a wonderful thing. Ask right now, Jay said, God, give me a greater awareness of lack and holy dissatisfaction. You know, often God has to shake us in some ways to shift us. <laughs> That's a thought, isn't it? Shake to shift. And um, as he does that, it's a great thing. Sometimes we resist the shaking, but we actually need to embrace it because it's a good thing. So in the Old Testament, think about it, the focus was the Father. In the Gospels, the focus is Jesus. But from the Acts and the Epistles, the focus is the Holy Spirit. So we are now in the era and the time of the great Holy Spirit. If we give him emphasis and focus, we will have a much greater influence and impact than ever before. It was said in the early church that uh, 95% of their activities would have stopped if the Holy Spirit had been removed from their midst. Hmm. Some say or propose that in today's church, 95% of our activities would still continue even if the Holy Spirit didn't turn up. Wow, that's a challenging statement. I hope it's not true in your church and hope it's not true in my church. But they said a lot of people wouldn't even notice. And so we need to make sure that the Holy Spirit is working. And um, we're going to change this. We're going to change this. The Holy Spirit doesn't turn up. We will know and we're going to complain. We were going to shout out from the pew and say, hey, where's the Holy Spirit in this place? And I think that would be a great day when that happens in our midst. But, uh, you know, last Sunday we had some wonderful services. And I can say the Holy Spirit did move. People were impacted and things did shift. So God is at work and we're making progress, but we just need to make a whole lot more progress. John 6 verse 63, it is a spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And we just need to remind ourselves that working in the flesh just doesn't get much result. What it does do, it wears you out. It drains you. It exhausts you. It depresses you. But when you're with the power of the Spirit, it's just a whole different world. So some 40 years ago, there was a great outpouring of God's Holy Spirit in New Zealand. It was called the Charismatic Renewal. And churches across New Zealand, listen, were transformed. Seriously. Churches that were dying and struggling were suddenly the Spirit of God began to move. The gifts of the Spirit, the power of the God began to flow. It was an amazing, amazing situation or a time when the Holy Spirit took center stage in the church. And the church entered into a season of greater and greater impact. In fact, there were Jesus marches in New Zealand, different cities, Auckland, Christchurch. Thousands marched and there were radical conversions, people off the streets. I, one person was saying to me, it seemed like People were just talking about Jesus. And they felt like everybody was getting saved. Well, not everybody was, but it was like Jesus was on the lips of people throughout our nation. And that's what it was like in the early church as well. And the, the, the church had a greater influence or a great influence those days. I can't recall any ungodly laws being passed. The church was a force in our nation. See, the Holy Spirit must not be sidelined. 
Because if he is sidelined, we remove the candlestick and we remove the power of God from the church. And all we're left with is, is great, you know, flashing lights and smoke machines and personalities and maybe some amazing preaching and all the rest of it. But that's no answer to a world that's broken and multitudes heading headlong to a lost eternity. You see, only the power of God's Spirit can change lives, transform societies, and have an impact in our nation. So I say, bring back the Holy Spirit. Restore His presence and His power to the church like never before. And I'm not talking about everyone rolling around and falling over and all that kind of stuff. If that happens, fine. But I'm just talking about lives being changed, breakthroughs, healings, miracles, addictions, you know, uh, overcome, um, radical salvation, family members coming to Christ. That's the sort of thing that I'm talking about today. So God's going to bring God's going to bring back His Holy Spirit in great measure. And I'll tell you why. He wouldn't be stirring our hearts for it. If He wasn't going to do this, he, if He wasn't showing us our lack and our awareness of, uh, you know, our holy frustration, if you like, He wouldn't do that if He wasn't going to meet that need. So expect in the coming days greater impact by God's Spirit and power. Here's a quote for you. We don't want a church that will move with the world. We want a church that will move the world. We need to get the world out of the church and the church into the world to change it and to transform it. You know, after the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, one of the amazing changes was this, that the gospel went beyond just Israel and the Jews to the nations of the earth. See, salvation was for all mankind. And the gospel is the great equalizer of people. All people are of equal value, regardless of their color, black or white or brown. It doesn't matter. Jesus had a great heart for the oppressed, the downtrodden, you know, the brokenhearted, the marginalized. And, you know, with all the events happening across the globe today, I, for one, you know, I stand up unequivocally against and condemn every form of racism and prejudice. God loves everyone equally. He died on the cross for all colors and all races. In my upbringing, my friends, my close friends, some were, some were brown, you know, some were white. Uh, it was Chinese in the mix as well. And so that was my upbringing. But the fact is, racism is real. It's present. It's not just in the U.S. It's here in New Zealand. It's across the nations of the world. And there is a lot of it, a lot more than we realize. So I experienced this myself. Just give you one example. I was in a, uh, with another uh, a pastor friend, and he was a white European. And we were visiting another minister. And this was in a, a place of people that I didn't really know that well. Anyway, we knocked on the door. Door was open. And uh, my pastor friend was welcomed in. He went in and then they shut the door. And I was kind of left outside the door like, wow. A real sense of, I wasn't welcome to go in that door because of the color of my skin. It's painful. It hurts. And it's real rejection. And there's no place for it. There's no place for it. It is unequivocally wrong. And we need to do everything we can to bring a change and a transformation. See, our God's a God of justice. 
Let me give you a couple of verses. Acts 17, 26. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. He made from one man every nation. It's kind of like our roots are the same, if you like. Um, uh, James 2, 8 to 9. I like this. If you really fulfill the royal, royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality or prejudice or racism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Hey, listen, in heaven, guess what's going to be? Every tongue, every race, every tribe, every nation, they're all going to be in heaven mixing and intermingling. And I can guarantee you this, that positions in heaven or, or profiles in heaven will, or will not be based on the color of your skin. They'll be based more on your own personal relationship with God. And of course, we can all have that and enjoy that. So please pray. Pray for peace. Pray for reconciliation in the United States, but also in all nations. And let's remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So fighting in the arm of the flesh probably won't get the job done. And you know, I've watched on the news, I've seen some of the violence um, America, the looting, the stealing and the, the fires, you know, America on fire. I've watched like in shock, seriously. In, in, it takes a bit to shock me, but this has shocked me. I thought, wow, this is unbelievable what is taking place today, you know, in, in America. And um, it really surprised me. But, you know, I, I realize this, the world's got no answers. It really hasn't. They can do their bit. There's only one answer. <laughs> His name is Jesus. <laughs> And it's a power of the Holy Spirit that can do something in this situation. So, you know, there's a, there's a quote here. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. And only God and His Holy Spirit can change the human heart and to bring true peace and to bring true reconciliation. So what we need to do is we need to petition heaven. We need to pray. We need to fast. We need to seek God. If my people called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and what? Heal the United States. Heal New Zealand. Heal the United Kingdom. Heal any nation you want to name. We've got to cry out to God and petition Him. The point I'm trying to make here, friends, again, this is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. The arm of the flesh cannot do that. It can't even begin. It's like trying to fight the Russian army or the, you know, huge army with a water pistol. You just can't do it. We need the Holy Spirit power. There was a prophecy, a number of prophecies sent my way concerning the coronavirus. And, you know, prophecies are prophecies, but I felt that these ones lined up with, you know, they just made sense to me. And one of the statements was that the coronavirus was a wake-up call for the church and also for Christians. But they went on to say that as bad as the coronavirus was, there's worse to come. And so one prophecy said, I'm going to shock my people into alignment. A shaking like we've not experienced before. But the result would be a restoration of the fear of God. And it would be a, a bringing the church and Christians back to life, you know, from a sleepy condition in some places. And as a result, there would come a revival like we've never, ever seen before. 
And God would do this in His great love to bring us into alignment because guess what? A place of alignment is a place of blessing. It's a place of favor. So God brings us back. It's a good thing. You know, we get shocked into alignment or shaken into alignment because that's when we know the favor of heaven upon our lives. But I think the important thing that we need to understand is that, look, there are turbulent days ahead. Just, just read the book, <laughs> read the Bible. We're in what they call the last days, the end of time. And, uh, you know, it's, gross darkness will cover the earth. And so, friends, there's going to be more trials. There's going to be more challenges. There's going to be more shakings. And so the time is right now for us to prepare ourselves, get our walk with God strong, get our relationship with the Holy Spirit and His power in order so we know His strength, but also learn to self-feed as a Christian so you can maintain a strong faith that come what may, you can overcome and be victorious. Learn how to self-feed through prayer, you know, through Bible reading, through, through worship, you know, through, through getting to church, with fellowship with other Christians. Learn to have a strong faith yourself because you can't always depend on other people to bolster you up. Because when a trial hits and if it's a strong one and something maybe worse than coronavirus, we need our own relationship. Because my Bible says the people who know their God, they shall be strong and do great exploits. It means if you have a strong faith by knowing God, you can handle anything the world may throw at you. See, we don't ha- I don't face the future with fear. I face it with great confidence and almost, well, a little bit of excitement if God's going to revive the church and bring revival. Hey, so be it. If we need a bit of a shaking to get us moving and to see revival, then I think I say, let, let it be. But we don't have to fear as long as we get ourselves ready now and prepare. You see, a sports team does not win a game the day they take the field. They win the game through their preparation, the days before, the weeks before, the months, even the years before. So finally, if they walk on the field, they're going to win. If they just walk on the field unprepared, there's only one result, lose. Friends, you and I, we're not going to win the battle the day the trial hits us. We win the battle because we've prepared days, weeks, months, years before. We've developed a strong relationship with the Lord. So when it comes, we can stare it in the face and, and bring it down and overcome it. You see, David was the one man who could, who could take on Goliath without fear and bring the Goliath down. But friends, it wasn't the day he faced Goliath that he won the battle. He, he'd, he'd killed a lion. He'd killed a bear. He'd prepared himself for years before. So when the big challenge came, he was more than equal to the challenge. And if you read through the story, what's great about it is he was so confident. He said, you come to me with a spear and a sword and whatever, you know, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I'm going to bring you down. I'm going to chop off your head. <laughs> hey, when you're prepared, you have a strong relationship with God. That's your ad- attitude in the face of opposition, in the face of the enemy attacking. Let me say it one more time. We don't fear the future. We don't live in dread. Hey, if there's a big shaking coming, we don't have to be worried about it. But what we do have to do is prepare ourselves. Self-feed, strong faith, a strong relationship with God. Now, one of the keys, I believe, is learning to wait on God. Because waiting, I believe, is an invitation for the Holy Spirit to come. And, you know, I do this more often now, and it's so powerful. 
It's more powerful than we realize. But we find it hard to wait. Why? Because we want to get up and go. We want to make it happen. You know, we want to advance. We want to see progress take place. Therein is our problem. <laughs> we want to do it. <laughs> so, and it, usually in our own energy and own strength. But waiting is like telling God, God, I need your help. Holy Spirit, I need you to empower me, to lead me, to guide me. And of course, we do need to be diligent. I'm not talking about being slack and lazy, but you work out of waiting. You're diligent out of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Big difference. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Isaiah 64 verse 4, what a great scripture. Since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor preached, perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. God acts. Another version says he works for the one who waits for him. When you wait on God, he works for you. So when you wait, God works with you. But if you just work on your own, guess what? You're on your own and your results are going to be far less. I think one of the single greatest keys to knowing how to wait and be empowered by the Spirit is found in Isaiah 40 verse 31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. You want to mount up with wings like eagles? Fly, fly in the Spirit. Yeah, and they shall run. And guess what? Not be weary. Run and not faint. How does that happen? When you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. How do you get empowered? You wait for the Holy Spirit to come and work in your life. So if you've got a cell phone with you right now, please grab a hold of it. All right. Okay. I just want you to. And so as you grab, I can't believe I'm doing this. You know, in my church, I'm always telling, put your phones away. But here we go. I'm going to use it for an illustration because everyone's on their phone. Now, I just want you right now, I just want you to check the charge level. Just have a bit of a quick look. Okay. All right. Now, Ask yourself this question. What is your spiritual charge like right now? See, mine's 98% here. Good job, Tart. But what's my spiritual charge like? Because that's the more important question to ask. And we said last week how, you know, we, we diligently charge our phones and, you know, like, let me do it right. Let me do this right. Now, not that I need to. I'm at 98% already. We diligently charge our phone like that. And... Um, because we want to make sure we get messages and we can see posts, stay connected with people. Look, if you charge your spirit, guess what? You stay connected to God. Connected to God. Come on. <laughs> so every time you're looking at this charger thing, think, I've got to charge my spirit. I've got to stay connected to God. You know, through your cell phone, you hear from the people. You hear the voice of people. Charge your spirit. You hear the voice of God speaking to you. You know, you get help through this. It gives you advice and wisdom and what to do. You, you search online for, how do I do this? How do I have better friendships? Blah, blah, blah. Hey, stay connected. You get God, you'll get His wisdom. You'll get His advice. You'll get His help and His power. Look, this is a no-brainer. All right. So I want to encourage you. You know, every time you look at this phone, keep asking yourself, how's, how's my spiritual charge? And also check the charge on your phone just as a reminder. And can I, I wonder how often you look at your phone. How many times a day would you do it? Well, here's a suggestion. Every time you look at your phone, why don't you say, all right, I need to pray for a minute. Wow. Just a minute. You can do it. will change and transform your life. And why don't you start to check your phone, you know, almost like, like your phone. Have this attitude, I can't live without it. Treat, it, treat your Bible the same as you treat this thing. I can't live without the, I've got to look at this and I've got to look at this. Well, have a, phone, have a Bible in this here, all right? And then check out some verses. So you want to get messages? You want to get text messages? How about getting a message from the text? Huh? 
That one is going to help you more than anything is going to help you. You know, the other text messages, oh, you know, a lot of them are no good anyway. But every text message is a beauty. So what about every time you get a text message? Okay, it's time to get a message from the text. Think about that. All right. Probably enough said on that. But another thing, use, use uh, you know, use your Bible like you'd use this phone in time of an emergency. And as often as you look at this thing, tell yourself, I need to be praying and reading the Bible as well. When the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, guess what? In the first sermon, 3,000 people were saved. Fantastic. But what we need to remember is before that, 50 days before that, the disciples were waiting, praying and fasting. You see, prayer and fasting is in the blueprint of the early church. Let me say this. The amount to which we pray and fast is an indication of how much we actually depend on God. And if we pray and fast, it's going to help us to learn how to wait. It's going to help us to learn how to depend on the Holy Spirit. It's going to help us know more of God's power working in our lives. So there's a book written called Behind Enemy Lines. And this writer had a vision and uh, where an angel took her to what looked like the boardroom of the enemy. This is interesting. And a demon spoke of a group giving them problems. So this is the dark places of hell, I guess. And they, they call the group the fasted ones. And the demon, demonic kingdom understood the power of fasting and how it affects spiritual IQ. You want to get your spiritual IQ up, telling you prayer and fasting. And, and they went on to say, we need to fast more in these last days. That's why we're going to be fasting as a church Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday and crying out to God. And of course, we'll include the United States and racism in our prayers as well. So Church Unlimited, as I wrap this up, and I believe all churches have been raised up by God to restore the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit, to revive the church, increase its influence in the world. We've pushed a reset button coming out of coronavirus our church is no longer the same. There is a new normal. And this new normal, we're going to pursue the passion with passion, the person, the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit. And our new normal is a greater dependence on the Spirit of God. With that, we'll see more breakthroughs, healings, radical salvations, answers to prayer, community transformation. The church will no longer be uh, on the sideline, no longer ignored without a voice, no longer ridiculed or seen as irrelevant. The church will begin to shape the future history of New Zealand, see revival and see New Zealand turn to Jesus. With the power and dependence on the Holy Spirit, we can and we will see revival in New Zealand. Amen.